Hey guys, welcome back to the Back Yourself Show. If you didn't tune in last week, definitely download the episode. We had the amazing snag tights on. The two founders, Tom Martin and Bree Reed, they have won basically every award you can imagine, including the Barclays Entrepreneur of the Year Award in Scotland. Their story is incredible. They took an embarrassing moment where, well, I, I won't ruin the story, you listen, but they had an embarrassing moment and they turned it into a business with just two laptops that now turns over two million pounds a month. It blew my mind. Their approach to advertising, m- minimalist structure, and also using empathy as a superpower was absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Definitely tune in, definitely have a listen. This week, I sent out a shout out on Twitter to ask any questions um, for the person we have on the show next week. Really inundated with some great questions, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that. That's with a PR guru. Make sure you tune in. It's really great, and I really love him for it, for coming in. And there's some really practical tips if you're a startup and you're trying to get that press exposure. Now, this week on the show... We have two guys who, they worked as consultants before, and then they came up with this idea and they thought, I reckon I can do something better than massive businesses. And it blows my mind. It's that classic David versus Goliath story where just two guys and a spreadsheet and a great vision and commitment to product and service who are creating something which is bringing down some of the biggest businesses in the UK. It's incredible. Okay, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you enjoy the episode. As always, please subscribe, like, and share. Um, if you want to get in contact, drop me a note on Twitter. It's at BackYourselfPod. And I look forward to hearing you guys, and I hope you enjoy the show. Guys, welcome on. Glad you're here. Thanks, Thanks um, So look, we have a core philosophy here, and that is so simple. It's just... We believe that people should back themselves and control their own destiny. If you have a dream and you, or you're not happy with what you're doing, take control of it and pursue that. And you two are people that I know that are absolutely doing that and you're having great success, but in a, a very unique way to most startups. Like when I think about startups or startups that I would do, I just think to myself, I would try and find a really small niche, somewhere there's a, a little gap and I can try work in there and then own that gap. You guys haven't done that, okay? You've decided you're going to fight against billion-dollar organizations and go out against the big guns, and I love it. And we'll come on to that later. But to start with, tell me about your background. Like, what what were you doing before that gave you, well, I mean, that made you even do this and gave you the confidence to even step into that ring with such huge people? We'll start with the big man, Llewellyn. We met um, at the previous company we worked at, a uh, management consultancy with a data and operations focus. So we joined together and did six weeks of induction, which is fairly intense training together. Got on really well there and kind of both had that drive to want to start something else. What, straight some away, as soon you, you've been working together for six weeks, and at that point you were like, I hate this job, I want to start a new one. No, I think we both wanted to sort of do it before, but we were like, you know, only six weeks in, so let's let's see this one out. And it wasn't hating that job, it's more just wanting to be driving towards something that you've got a piece of and is yours, rather than working for someone else's company. So that was it, it was just about the independence and about building from scratch. Yeah, I, I mean, it was the same for me, so I'd always wanted to start a company when I was at school, I convinced the school that my uncle owned a water bottle factory. Convinced? 
Yeah, I was like... Well, oh, so you lied. I lied. Yeah, I lied. Yeah, yeah, I, lied. <laughs> I, lied. I love that. And so I was like sending branded water bottles to that and like seven other schools. And like I always wanted to do it, but... Wait, 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 wait. I just want to stop that. So wait, so you fraudulently... Well, I didn't fraudulently. I just sent you... my uncle into water bottles. You create... So I, you, could get you, a good, you... I could get a good price. Oh, I love that. So you created a story. Yeah, but actually... I, I love just... that buying them online. Um, it's about like Jack Daniels. Apparently Jack Daniels doesn't, isn't a real person. Apparently that's all a joke. Really? Yeah, so you just did the same thing. Yeah, fine. That's yeah, fine. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Inspired. Um, yeah, and so it was the same with me. And I just, when I left university, I just didn't have a killer idea. And so it was like, well, what better, what better thing to do than go and run, go and sit in lots of different companies for the next three years. So that's why management consultancy there's is something, a, good, a good angle. There's something really in that, isn't there? And uh, management consultancy is something that's quite popular starting point that most people go into. It's quite a high barrier for entry to get into magic. So I think it's quite an aspirational industry. But what was it like? So what were you doing there? Were you just telling people stuff they already knew and then charging for it? Or were you? <laughs> <laughs> no, so ours was really different as a consultancy because for ours, we never wrote any reports. That was the whole, that was like the main premise of the consultancy was you would go in, you'd spend two weeks trying to understand the problem and then you spend your whole time trying to fix stuff, right? And like trying to convince people and working out how the organizational structure worked out. And so we never wrote reports. We were just fixing stuff in factories and hospitals and whatever it was. So it's super on the ground, actually implementing stuff, which has been super relevant we, to what so we're doing. It was the same starting a business, right? You're just yeah. trying to find a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. how did you find, how did you come up with the idea for Switched? How did you, what were you doing that made you think this was the right route? Were you, are you, were you addressing that industry first? No, it was, so it was Tom's idea. Um, so he owns all the business now? Because yeah, he, yeah, he owns all of it, yeah. <laughs> You're just an employee. <laughs> Far from the fact that I do the legal, so he's signed, <laughs> signed all the way now. I hope I own some of the company. <laughs> uh, it was Tom's idea. We were on a project together, uh, discussed it over a Wagamama's one evening, thought it had legs, and so went out, raised a bit of money, did the market research, and then uh, gave it a go. We basically said to each other, if we think it's a good idea, we've got quite a lot of our family to sign up, quite a lot of their friends, like... The fact that loads of people we know are signing up is a good thing, but it was literally a spreadsheet. It was no product. It was just us. Okay, right. Let's. I want to. I want to drill into that. That's a huge jump. So you had. So you had. You're in Wagamamas. Yeah. And you've just come up with this idea. You've been percolating it for a little while already, and then you're like, Luana, I don't have any of the skill sets necessary to make this happen. Please support me. And then <laughs> what next? It was more. It was more a conversation of you know. I think this is a good idea. Do you think it's a good idea? I think it might be something worth quitting our jobs for. Do you think it's something worth quitting our jobs for? And so we made the. That's decision. terrifying. How did how did you how did you get over that? You've got well, good jobs. Well, basically, got... we made the decision that we knew that people we knew were signing up for it. So that was a right. So, you, so by that point, you had built it. Or no, 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 no. It, it was a spreadsheet. It was a spreadsheet. It was a one-page spreadsheet. There was, no, there was no product. Nothing existed. But we were able to get people cheaper energy bills. But we said, right, so if we can, if we can raise 150 grand or raise some money, then that proves that it's not just us that think it's a good idea. And it's not just our parents who are obviously going to say it's a decent idea or our friends. So we say, if we can raise that money, then we'll quit our jobs. I love that. So you're... that's. That's really inspired, actually. Not very many people talk about it that way. So you're almost, you're justifying the idea and validating it by going to people that know about business ideas. So you're raising it for angels, people who see ideas all the time. And you're saying, well, if they think it's a good idea, it's probably got legs. So our, yeah. so our, so our viewpoint was, we just don't have the time to actually build something and push it out 
and even then we weren't really nervous of success because if it doesn't really work, so we'll just go, it was because we didn't have time to work on it. Whereas we thought a much better metric would be if people who know what they're doing think it's a good idea. I love that. So you were side hustling at the time. So you were still working or you gave up? We were working, but we weren't, we hadn't, like as Tom said, we had a single page spreadsheet. We hadn't yeah. done anything yet. Um, and we go and we bounced other ideas around before that and they, they hadn't even <laughs> got to that stage. Nice. Um, but we were somewhere where we could see it was possible. We knew people wanted it and knew the problem was there. And so then if we could raise the funding, that validated it and meant So how do you how do you raise funding at that stage? Now that's that's pretty tough because like you basically you've got a spreadsheet and there are a lot of businesses in the same position. In my business, when we started out, we had we had a PowerPoint and an idea and a sexy yeah. website. That's what all we had. We didn't have a sexy website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, we had an awful website, which we actually took down for fundraising. <laughs> yeah, it was, so, it was bad. so bad. <laughs> You're like, we're so under the radar. We haven't even got a website. Yeah. So how do you, and how do you figure out like, okay, so there's two questions there that I know that a lot of people would be really interested in. First one, how do you value your business at that point? How did you come up with the value? Because if you're raising money, you're giving away equity, mm -hmm. you've got to figure out valuation. Um, the second question there is like, what do you, how do you find people to invest in an idea that? Because look, it's an idea, but they're really investing in you two. And you two are vo obviously incompetent, so you must have had a really good idea. Yeah. So what was the, no, what was, so how did you come up with the valuation first? How did you do that? So on the, on the valuation side of things, at a business this early, and for the first few rounds of investment, there's not really any easy way to value it, right? It's got to have future potential, and that's a kind of hurdle. But the valuation really is just what, can you get people to invest at? It's a marketplace, right? And there are lots of startups with valuations at different levels. And there are lots of investors looking at those startups. And you've got to make sure that yours is at about the right level. So you looked at other businesses. So you met people yeah. and say, so what do, do you that? value? So you obviously you don't want to go out there and be like, oh, I'm worth, you know, 25 million because yeah. I'm mega smart or something. You've got to be reasonable. So what did you meet other people? You've got to be reasonable. And then you've got to speak to investors and float a few numbers to see what their reaction to those is. Yeah. Now, a lot of the time an investor will say that's a bit high because obviously all investors want the valuation to be They're negotiating, right? lower. Um, and you should always have, I think, a couple of people you're talking to who say, no, I'm out because the valuation's too high. Because if you don't get that, your valuation's too low. That's a really great point. I really <laughs> love that. I really love that. I had the you had a, some experience. And it's quite a daunting one, isn't it? Because, you know, you're like, look, I know that I've just got a spreadsheet here. But, like, I also know the value of this idea. And not only that, I know the value of myself and my co-founder and what we can bring to this. And execution is 90% of this. And if you believe in that, like, you want to put a decent value on that. And you cannot... Like, it's so intimidating going into a room, <coughs> speaking to someone whose job it is to value companies and invest in them, and you're saying to them, I want you to put money in something that could well fail, okay? But also, you're giving away a bit of your baby to do this. You're like, I might have to give away 10, 20% of my my baby, yeah, to you, who I don't know, just so you can give me some money to make this exist. And you're not going to do anything for the next five years, and you might make, well, hopefully 50, 100x on your investment. Like, that's a really daunting period. So how did you find the investors? Um, a lot of them were through people we knew that were Cheap. starting startups. <laughs> okay. right. So, so you met people. Wait, so you were getting other people, other founders, to invest? So we, no, no. We go to founders. We go, look, we're trying to raise money for this company. How did you do it? You know, reaching out to people we knew didn't know. Oh, the intro. Well, yeah. yeah. Plus, obviously, there was a few people through family and friends that we raised. From. And you and your angels, they came in. Were they from introductions, or were they cold? Any of them? Uh, they were all introductions. Yeah. yeah. Everything was interesting. And the first round was more family and friends, a couple of angels. 
second round was. But I mean, 150k SEIS isn't a huge amount of money. That's yeah, different, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the, the other point I was just thinking about when Luella was discussing sort of what the valuation is, <clears throat> one of the pieces of advice we were given was make sure that you're raising enough to get you to the next stage. And so when we originally went out, we were sort of thinking, you know, should we raise 50k? Should we raise 500k? And how do you, you know, know that? that? How do you know that? And I think it's really important you land on the number that's going to get you to the next stage because you see a lot of companies that go out and raise too much when they don't necessarily need it. But also, if we'd have raised 50k, well, week one of starting switch, we'd have been trying to raise another 50k because that 50k wouldn't have lasted. There's some, long. but yeah, I mean, so you guys have been going how long? Two and a half years. And you've done three rounds. We just yeah. So you ha you ha you haven't actually stopped raising at all since you started. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's <laughs> it, but, but, but to that's be fair, the last round we weren't intending to raise because we don't need to, didn't need to raise till next year, but we had people approach us. Yeah. So there which which the everyone same. hates that feeling. Horrible, isn't it? You <laughs> must have been gutted. <laughs> but we no, but we didn't I, have yeah. to do that like fundraise before. But it is it is hard. So if you so you I mean this is really I'm really interested in this. So you've. You've done your valuation, you've found and you've gone to your network of other founders. So you're obviously in a community there of people already who've been through it. These are mates well, from we uni we or we you? We went before, you know, it was, yeah. you know I, I'd worked for a few startups, but it was just, you know, there's probably someone you know. Yeah, who, there always is. a founder. And if they are, Failed they all know or other not. founders. Yeah. So, that, you know, it's a, it's did you join an accelerator or anything or? No. You we just met a couple, but I think... We it's, didn't not, think, it's not always right. But I think you're right. I think that this it's actually a really good piece of advice to say because, you know, it's it's really daunting sitting down and thinking, right, I need 150K to make this work, otherwise I'm not going to exist. Yeah. And you think, I don't have a network. Like people say, oh, just go and raise it from some angels. Well, if, well, if you don't have a rich family and you don't have you don't know any angels, like that's really intimidating. But I love your advice. You're like, well, let me go and speak to, I know people who've been through this. They're going to refer me. They believe in this idea. And the whole way you're doing market validation what are the three like pitch decks are really fascinating to me um i always describe myself as having 99 problems but the pitch ain't one um <laughs> but like if you've got um but like there's so much information out there what would be your top tips about if you had when you were doing it what were the three bits of information that you were delivering to people that they actually attached to because you can give out a 30 page pitch deck you can give out a 7 10 1 or whatever but it always ends up being a couple of sides that people really care about. What would your advice be to those people about what is the most important bit of information that you needed to articulate to your investors to make that money at such an early stage? I think one of the slides that people kind of got, and it wasn't that we talked about it a lot, but you could see that it got people in, was just describing who that person was that our product was right for. So they kind of, you've got 26 million households in the UK, 10% of them never switch, like they're completely disengaged. 10% switch every year, they've got their own spreadsheet. We're not really going through for those groups, but we're going for that person who switched, you know, three to five years ago. They know they should, but it's the bottom of the action list. And we and really then, so, and try to really contextualize it. It's like, you know, the 10% that never switch is my grandma. Like, yeah. she's with Empower. She thinks she's on a loyalty scheme. Like, almost, yeah. almost of making it fun that they went, yeah, yeah, my grandma would never switch, fair enough. Yeah. And like, you know, for a lot of the people we got investment from, we were basically describing them. Yeah. Know, have switched I, once, but I, it's a pain in the ass. And they were going, yeah, yeah, like me. And then we go, so this is what we think we should do. And they're like, yeah, that, that's that would be awesome if that existed. 
That's delicious. I love that. There's just the make it make it relevant to that person you're speaking to. Yeah. yeah. Because make it's so it easy to go in there and just talk about something which no one can relate to. Like that's so conceptual to be like, when people talk to me about, like people have tried to get me to invest in stuff like crypto and Bitcoin. I've got fucking no idea how any of that works. I think also if you don't define who it's for, yeah. you run a big risk of if it's not for the investor, they won't like it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like, people have pitched me ideas before and because it's not something I would ever buy, you sort of write it off. But if they describe the type of person who it's for, you know, I don't buy oat milk. But, but you'll you know, that, you'll know that person. And yeah. how many of them there are, you go, that's a good business to be in. You know, I think that's, I think that's really brilliant. I really like that. And I think more people should do it. The, um, and there is something really like, I don't know, like you, I, I, I don't know what you were like, but I hate making up numbers. Yeah, when people go to you and they say, okay, show me your projections for the next three years. And I'm like, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I actually, in my spare time, I write, um, you know, fiction. So let me just put those skills <laughs> to the test now and I'll write some now. Do you know what I mean, it's it's really annoying. And then you know that someone's going to look at it and they're going to be like, well, you know, your ratios are not quite right for us. We need to get to 100 million turnover in the next three years. Or the person I'm talking about knows who he is. Who just said that to me. You got to get to 100 million in three years or, you know, you're not quite right for us. <laughs> He'll be like, fine, give me two seconds. <laughs> made it <laughs> I mean it's just yeah. it's so frustrating on a financial model but you yeah exactly compounded to something very different exactly but what you've done is you've just been like well let's just hone down on that problem let's focus on we get that problem we get that person people can relate to that and figure out it's going to happen mm-hmm. now some people describe you as brave some people describe you as stupid <laughs> yeah. yeah how did you come to the decision that you were going to fight against the, the biggest guys in the world like how did you how did you come up against what made you think i can beat these people there's a lot in that that's an intimidating thing i think uh, probably a bit of both <laughs> okay fine yeah <laughs> we're brave in that we know our product is just way better like you sign up once your energy's dealt with forever we get you a better deal than you'll ever get with a comparison site perhaps stupid in that we've got a background in kind of data operations we're very good at running an effective business building the tech getting that stuff right we're not so good at marketing and so perhaps we didn't understand the challenge on that on that side of things and had we known that maybe 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 we would have been a bit more stupid to take that but yeah i think as well for us like we viewed it as it was an enormous problem for a lot of people and that was going to be difficult to work to like nail straight away but if we were nimbler and quicker of feet you know if we listen to our customers faster we'd be able to iterate it and our product has changed as we've developed and it's changing now at the same and we are getting better and better and we're getting better so much faster than our competition that although up front you know our first year when we're spending 20 grand on advertising you know what are we how are we going to compete we're getting to a position now where we're starting to understand how we can beat them because we know it's such it's such a well-defined problem for so many people. Yeah, we've got to be able to find a solution. We've got to be cleverer than them. It's something really interesting about that. There's a guy that came on here, really inspirational guy called Alex Dunstan, and he says there are two superpowers as a founder. One is serendipity to meet as many people as you possibly can, and two is naivety. Yeah, yeah because if you'd known how hard it was going to be, you probably wouldn't <laughs> have done it, right? And I love that. I think there's something in that that I think you say. That acceptance is quite interesting. That acceptance of like, we know how to run a business. You know, we're, are you techies? Do you do the coding? Or? Tom. So you're, you you get it, right? But marketing's hard, right? But you'd be like, you just hands up and we're like, we don't get this. Let me go and get someone else to help it. Is that, is that the advice you give to everyone else? Because I think there is a a huge part of, there's, there's two problems I think in a lot of founders. One is being hugely arrogant and being like, 
mate, come on, marketing's piss easy, right? I'll, <laughs> I'll go and do that. I'm like that about coding. I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, I mean, I can do an if statement. Yeah, <laughs> but like, but at the same time, you've got the other end of the spectrum. You've got people like the, if you, f- did you guys sit down and say, look, this is what we can do on our own. This is where we find the gap. Did you, did you go through that exercise or did you just instinctively not, know? Not at the start. No, not at the start. I think at the start we went, we don't really know what we don't no and we don't really know what i think you know you, you you've got to hire people that are better than you but you're not quite sure who's Great available I'll who's, take that. at what price they're going to be so i mean originally we planned to hire other techies to run it and i might do the marketing but then we found that hiring head of Texas is almost impossible and very yeah. expensive so we were like right scrap that i'll do it yeah sure um so yeah originally we were we we, we just thought we're, we we think we're good enough we think we're good enough to build a team We'll we'll go for it and then work that out as we go. I yeah. think if we'd have just sat down at the start and been like, we need a head of marketing at this point, and that we we wouldn't have known. You just don't want. know until you do. And I we like might that. have found out after four weeks that we were going to scrap the product and do something else. You, know, you don't know. I think one of the things we do do is every month get away from the office, have a little kind of think, a little strategy strategy session. And one of the things we do is say, right, this is everything that's priority in the business. Do we have the capability to deliver that? And are there any gaps? And if so, how do we fill them? You've got to do that. You've got to take a step back. It's quite an athletic approach to things, isn't it? Because some people just tend to like, oh, it ain't broke. I've won a few fights in a row. I've won a few races. You just got to, but you've got to step away and be like, actually, how am I going to step up to the next level? I love that. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favorite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. You um, Tell me how you won your first customer. Because that's a real milestone for everyone. Because, and if it's your, if it's your mum. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, let's assume, let's assume family and friends didn't count. Well, it was the first customer who we didn't know. Yeah, that's, that's, that that's the moment, because it doesn't count. It, it doesn't count. Like everyone, we were sitting there going, who is this person? Yeah. How do they that's the, the, it's an amazing got, moment. Absolutely no idea. How we, <laughs> we didn't have any tracking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably week two. We didn't really, I mean, we, I mean, it wouldn't be week two, but we built and launched the product within three weeks. So it was, you know, very, we got something out So there. you built and launched the product yeah. in three weeks. In three weeks, yeah. And you had a customer who you didn't know within yeah. five. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's a of I weeks can't remember, three to five. Guys, it's so easy. I don't know why everyone's not doing it. <laughs> I don't mean product. Product, yeah. <laughs> so the product was a sign-up form on a website, which then everything still happened in Excel for a good couple of months. But we had something out there so that we had customers that we could talk to customers and understand what to build rather than... We saw in, in the workspace we were in, there were quite a few people who'd spent a year to launch, realized it didn't work, spent three months getting feedback and were nine months into a rebuild. And we were like, you, you guys are crazy. This is absolutely brilliant. So you were just like, look, it's more important that I have a customer base and people who I can experiment with first. Yeah. Yeah. Although the key was we didn't know what to build. And the outcome was the same. Yeah. Like the outcome is still, I'm saving you money on your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you learn what you need to build in the background to actually service that customer's needs. So that's truly customer-led product development. That's really yeah. awesome. Yeah, what is it What is it that our customers are asking us for? Let's build that first. So your mantra there is, if you would speak to anyone else starting out, you'd be like, like, 
reduce it down to the absolute minimum, genuine MVP, and let your customers decide what works and what doesn't. Depending on what it is, but for generally for tech startups, yes. Because you, because you don't, because you don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah, That, that's brilliant. And a lot, I guess a lot of what we were building is the back end data management processing, how do switches happen? How does the algorithm run? So you don't necessarily need to talk to your customers for that even, but having them in the system, having them using it highlights what you need to build and what's the highest priority. What are the quirks of your customers who, you know, I only want to switch my gas, but we never thought that would be a problem. You know, how many of those people are there? Is that one person? Is that a lot? Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm still st- stuck with the, the fact that you said that 10% of people in the country have a spreadsheet on there. <laughs> I mean, 10%. <laughs> I, mean, I might be using autistic lines. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. Wow. Um, that's, that's really good. Wow, five weeks. Explain my mind a little bit, actually. Okay, so what happened? So that you got, you've done that. I'm enjoying this this story. So you five weeks are there. You've raised a little bit. You've raised. You're giving yourself a bit of runway. How do you decide that? So if I'm listening to this right now and I'm thinking, how do I decide that I need 150k? Like to, to do to do what? Like how did? Because you said you said you raise enough to get yourself to the next round. But how do I know how much it's going to cost me to get to the next round? I think a lot of that then again comes down to conversations with other people you can meet, other founders about like, what, 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 what is the second stage of investment? And for us, it was a proven customer base. It didn't have to be enormous, but a customer base that we're using it with a net promoter score, with a feedback score of this is great and a product which worked. And when you showed an investor, they could actually you know sign up and yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. save some money. Because if we have those two things, we can say, look, you know, we've only got a thousand customers, but that's because we've only been going X long, but we've got a product that works. They love it. So what we now need to do is take this to the next level. So this is why we're raising some money. So that's that's good. So to rephrase that, so you're saying that you're using that first money just to generate evidence, so yeah. to, to prove the concept. You're proving the concept yeah. of what you've done. Yeah, so exactly. you now have a product, which is your business, that you can now justify a higher valuation to get more your first slide deck described what the product we imagined was. Yeah. The next slide deck is we've got this product, we've got customers using it, and so then you're raising money off the back of actually having it. And to it, now it scale up yeah. to get yourself to the next a, level. A bit like there, you, were, you, you said, we said launch in three weeks, and you're like, that's cool, or you know, talk to our customers and build the features. Yeah. And you said, that's cool. That was very much part of that story, was yeah. you know, we built something in three weeks, our customers wanted this, we built it, you know, so investors were going, Awesome. Yeah. Obviously a product people want. Now it's just a scaling challenge. And is that conversation easier now? So do you get to the, you do your second raise. Like, is that conversation easier? You're there and you're like, because now I've got something to talk about. It's different. It's, it's just different. Mm. So how, talk to me about that. How is it different? Well, the first round was all about whether there was a problem and whether they thought that we were awesome. The second, <laughs> you, you personally, yeah, yeah. absolutely. hundred yeah, yeah, percent yeah. right. hundred yeah. percent. Like, could we deliver it? You know, so it's, we, it's a miracle that you did it. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, but, you know, are we the right people to build a team? And then the next one was much more about, you know, is this a product and that people like and, and can you scale it? You know, what are your cost of acquisition channels? The first round, you know, we knew that half a million people search switch their energy a month on Google, those sorts of tidbits of information. That's but nice. We definitely didn't have... We're gonna we're gonna get cost of acquisition for this on this channel, but it must be so you're like you're exposed at that point because before you can just make something up. Yeah, you're like, yeah, this is amazing. Well, I know that one percent of the market are gonna flip to us. Yeah. Whereas now you're like, actually, it's costing me. I'm making a loss on some of these people that I'm buying from. Maybe yeah. and my customer acquisition cost is higher than my than my than my LTV. Yeah, so you know, you're like, you, you've got a that's that's 
tough, right? Yeah. So you, you feel more exposed. It's just, it's just yeah, you're more exposed. I, I wouldn't say that one was easier than the Did other. Did you have a great story to tell? For the, you, second for the second round, I think so. Yeah, I mean it worked. Yeah, yeah. Worked. And how did you find the investors that time? So that time, what we did, which I think I really recommend to anyone, is we built a spreadsheet, and every time we went and met someone who we thought might invest, we put them in the spreadsheet, and we said, "Would it be all right if we kept you up to date with what we're doing?" And every two months, we sent an investor update to probably it was getting close to 200, 300 people. That we just, you met 200? No, but like some people we might talk to on LinkedIn. We probably met, what, 50 people? Yeah. Something like that. But those those people had come along that journey with us of for a year, every two months, they were getting updates from us about our graph going up and our product developments. So when we came to raise money, it wasn't a cold, it wasn't just, can we have some money? They already knew who we were. They'd already kind of made up their mind. It really sped up the process. That's an awesome idea. And what, so it doesn't and, take that much. Work, yeah. Right? What do you do when you've got nothing to say? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you do it every two months. <laughs> every two months, yes. Yeah, so you've got something interesting to say. Yeah. And, and again, we found those investors just through like personal network and you already know more people by then so you can reach more investors. And also like, I mean, 10 seconds Googling or just typing in seed investor onto LinkedIn. Everyone seems to be a seed investor on LinkedIn. You know, so it's, it's easy enough to find people if you want to reach out to them. I think very few people say no if you say, would you mind if I... Kept you update every two months because they well that's the thing isn't it that's i would say this too like when you go to when you go in for a meeting they want you to be good <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's like when you interview someone yeah. never be afraid to do an interview because that person wants you to get the job because interviewing is shit <laughs> so you want them to be good and so same when you're going for a pitch don't be intimidated going for a pitch they want you to be amazing. Yeah, they yeah. want you to be amazing. They want you to solve the problems. And a lot of cases, they want you to fix the mistakes they've made in some other investments. Yeah. yeah, so they want you to be good. So you shouldn't be intimidated by reaching out to people and you shouldn't be afraid to go big because if your dreams are big, then they are going to be consistent with theirs. There are some criteria, which is some, that's the one thing that's frustrating, isn't it? Because you meet somebody like, oh, you don't fit our criteria and they come back with stupid no's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. to a degree, like, as a as an investor, you've got to have an area in which you invest because otherwise you don't have enough ex expertise to make the right decisions, right? Did you have you had any? Um, how did you deal with the rejections? I'm assuming you had some. You didn't get 200 and 300 offers. Uh, no, I think, but the majority of our rejections were valuations too high, or which was a good thing. <laughs> which is which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. There are actually, there were a couple of people who'd invested in a competitor who didn't do that well. Oh God! <laughs> so they weren't interested either. At times, Fair yeah. Enough. Um, but like people get the idea, people can see that there's the market there. Um, now the challenge is, as we've already discussed, it's scaling it and how, and how we do that as quickly yeah. as possible. And that seems well, it's going very well. And the fact that you managed to get, so how then the journey again, like you got to the point where someone approached you and that's the dream for any startup, you know, for someone to approach you and also an amazing name as well. The, how did they know about you? What were you? What noise were you causing that made them think you were the right people to invest in? Yeah. So when we started Switch, there was only one other person we could find doing something similar. What are we now, talking about? Oh, oh, sorry. You mean as in the same the way that you are, switching. not the market? Because not there's the market. a no, no, no. Okay, as in doing yeah. auto switching, i.e., right. not a comparison site. Um, yeah. Now there are half a dozen reasonable sized players. Um, now that's got its positives and negatives. One, it means you're in a market that makes sense because other people are trying to enter. 
It means mm. there's more competition, but that competition also creates more noise and makes the space a hot space. And so there were investors looking at that space, talking to all the companies in it. And it was us that they thought were the best for them to invest in um, for, for multiple reasons. Like, you know, we own our own tech. We can deliver those tech improvements a lot quicker, that kind of stuff that has value for them. Um, but that basically lots of people in the space creates a bit more noise and so gets you that interest. When you're building your tech, you mentioned there that you're more investable because you own your tech and yours. How did you make the decision? Like when, when I start a company, I get absolutely in, like terrified by how I'm going to do something. Coming up with the idea is is easy. Like, you know, you and I can be going down the lift now and we'll come up with an idea for a business. Okay. And we'll know what the problem is we're solving and we'll know how we're going to, you know, what the outcome is. But that middle bit, it just freaks me out. Like it's so difficult. And so there's a temptation, isn't there, to be like, there must be something in open source out there that I can use or I can hire somebody to do it for me. Like, what did you, how did you make the decision that you first, were you going to build it yourself? And then how did you go about that now don't go into too much detail because i won't understand but how did you choose your tech how did you choose your you know, the the coding languages and the people you were going to hire to support you to do that did you insource outsource all those things i think so originally we looked at the concept of outsourcing and we sort of found two things one was it was very very expensive mm. and the second one was as we've alluded to earlier like we have to change and build very very fast we're constantly adapting and when we talk to people who might outsource it or open source or whatever whatever that was it was always we'll, we'll plan out six week sprints and we'll you know get this delivered by then and if you want something changed you could i suppose with two weeks notice make this change to the sprint. yeah i personally think for a tech startup that just doesn't work we we are changing so so fast and, and your, your agility so is your power right that's yeah. what makes you better than you know generic price comparison site yeah yeah you exactly. know and, and, and as a tech company you, you want to be building out a tech team that you can not only inspire but like you can upskill that you can train you can't train a team that you're not in control of so we found that having our own team has just made us so so much faster i mean i think originally we were quoted it was something like forty thousand pounds for two developers for four weeks to build a prototype now you think about you know that's a person you know, and how much once you've trained them up they can output in a year compared to that four weeks mm. you know, it just doesn't it never made any sense for us to do that what we did find though is that when we tried to hire people hiring people was quite difficult so i think you do need if you're going into a tech startup you, you do want someone who doesn't necessarily have to be able to code but should be able to understand how sort of code works and be able to draw out problems and those sorts of things so that you can hire people to work for that person. I like that. Who So who were your first hires? Obviously your first hire was Llewellyn. The <laughs> <laughs> um, first person we hired was customer service, actually. It's so amazing you say that because we had someone on the board just the other week uh, called Digital Clipboard and they did the same thing. Like I, it's a really brilliant way to approach it because if your customers win you win so many people have been like i'm gonna get a marketer i'm gonna get a developer i'm gonna never hire hr but like you but you're like the you're like customer success so what inspired you to do that well i <laughs> it was need rather than inspiration yeah. <laughs> well it goes back to the way we launched the company right the fact that we launched quickly put stuff out there and we're trying to get feedback hmm. we were constantly getting feedback and it was very positive feedback because they were our pioneers and they got the first three months free and whatever but for them 
they were subconsciously going, this is improvement, this is improvement. We needed someone to reply. You know, we were managing their energy bills and there were things that the product didn't do. So we needed someone to be managing that because it was starting to take up quite a bit of our time. And that allowed us to prioritize what to build. I love that. Okay. And, well, I, and, and I think a lot of people aim for perfect to, p- before launch and we were very accepting that it wouldn't be perfect when we launched it, which <laughs> meant we needed a customer service yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like that. So... Um, What's the hardest thing that you've had to go through since launching? What's been the the time where you've been like, a you hate each other, maybe not, <laughs> but like yeah, but it's been it's been tough. Like you go home, you lose sleep over it. What's been the hardest thing? I think dealing with difficult people or mm. companies is the hardest thing. So, like you might have some very small disagreement in reality, and it seems that way afterwards, but at the time things can feel so much bigger and when you get a letter from a lawyer it just it feels so much bigger and it's that conflict that can make those situations really stressful um whatever it might be and and so it's those things that are are quite tough especially when it's your baby like you've made this you know and it's that they're threatening your child right that's what it is isn't it it's not you work for some big company and you might leave and start another job like this is yours yeah especially when you do it with the right intentions, right? Yeah. We are not a site that's looking to take advantage of anyone. We're trying to help people. And when you get things that go in, get thrown in the way that are you know, really challenging us at the core of whether we're good people or whether we're doing the right thing, it's, it's quite hard to say. So what's your attitude to dealing with that? Deal with it in the right way. Ask advice of people you know who might know something about that area of law or who've been through it before because they're yeah. a founder. And it's one of those times where you're really glad you've got a co-founder. Like, being yes. on your own in that kind of situation is is going to be guess, really tough. I I yeah I know I yeah I I don't think I think it's impossible to start a company on your own. I think you need okay. someone. Yeah. It's just this. It's just such an emotional journey that you go through, and you need someone who you can blame. Okay, <laughs> 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 right. Anyway, okay, right. Uh, the, the most important thing with the co-founders, you need someone who's just like opinion. You just like completely respect in yes. terms of bouncing stuff off, because otherwise. You feel like it's all, all sort of ends with you, and if it yeah. all goes wrong, it's all your fault. Whereas if you've got someone, you know, there are lots of times when Luella and I say things to each other, and the other one person goes, "That's a stupid idea," and we go, <laughs> "Fair enough," you know. But yeah. just to have that challenge where you know it's the right challenge, yeah. Not someone where you go, well, "I don't know if they're right," so I'm not I think yeah, the the having like um, idea dependency is so exhausting when people are always looking for you for the yeah. ideas. Like that's yeah, you, no one has them. No one has all the answers, <laughs> so you need someone to work with. I absolutely applaud that. And it's also having someone to tell you that your ideas are wrong, and you know they will. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they respect them when they're right. And <laughs> but that, but that's good. And that having that that safe environment to work in, I think, is a really important culture. And building that throughout the whole of the business. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, quote time coming to the end of the show, and I love to hear from people. If you had one piece of advice. Okay, to someone who is right now having that idea and they're like, they're in their business or whatever. They might be working for a management consultancy and data management or whatever it was. And uh, they're like, wouldn't it be cool if this or wouldn't it be better if I did that? What is your one piece of advice to those people right now in that moment? What would you say? Someone who's looking to start out but hasn't yet. Yeah, yeah. So you before and then you do it before the event and you're like, now they've started. So I just love to hear the two different viewpoints. So what would you say to them? Mine would be to essentially get a 
pitch deck down on paper because I think if you do that, you'll understand what the gaps currently are in your your thought process. And that's the sort of thing you can then start to take taking out to people. So I meet lots of people who want to start their own company and they're starting to build it, for example. Well, if you haven't gone through that pitch deck process, you, you don't know that you're missing the fact there isn't a need for it or you don't know there is the fact that so you're what, not the right team. What do I put in that pitch deck? Essentially a problem def definition. Yep. And, a, and the solution and roughly why you think the unit economics work. Brilliant. I think that's a really, really great idea. That's a really good idea. I will include those notes in the podcast notes. Okay. And, um, and for you, someone who's now, they've started the business, they've made the plunge, they're going through that initial phase. Okay. What are the things that you wish you'd done differently and you would advise to other people to, to do? Um, so I've, I've assumed so, you did something wrong, so by the way. There are lots of things I would have done differently. I, the thing I'd like to talk about is actually the thing that I think we did right. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, go for um, it. Which is, as we've spoken about already, like really challenge yourself as to what that that minimum viable product is. And that doesn't mean a minimum viable product that can scale to 10,000. It means the minimum viable product where you can convince a customer that there is a product there. Because that allows you to test it, see what's broken, see what needs changing and iterate it as quickly as possible and get that out there. Don't spend nine months building, then launch. Guys, that's amazing. I think those are really salient points. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure you will be successful. I look forward to you downing those huge price comparison sites becoming <laughs> the go-to. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>